Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will repeat myself or reiterate. Sometimes I say reiterate. More often I say reiterate. Sammy um, likes to choose words that mean the same things as other words. Synonyms. Sometimes I have a thesaurus next to me just in case I need it, which is usually all of the time. I'm more of a triceratops kind of guy. I understand. Ben is also, um, we are, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, but we're also very good friends. Isn't that true, Ben? Yes. You can find Ben's work as well as my work all over the internet. Um, it's not just Ben. You can find You can find my work if you want to. Ben, why don't you tell them where to find your latest work? Sure, you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Inside Hook, and at Haggerty. And there's a sweet story at Car and Driver from Ben that you've got to check out about this this AI person, mascot. Anyways, you've got to check this this story out. It's great. Long story short, if you're a racing team, don't invent a woman who isn't real and then pretend that she is for clicks, I guess. Because your fans will tear you to pieces. Rightfully so. Ben's got the scoop from all of those fans and uh, and probably some more important people in the industry as well. You can find my work um, at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, and Nouveau Magazine. Ben, we've got, um, we've got some pretty cool stuff to talk about this week. Well, I'm going to let you start it off with the car that you've been testing, which is supposed to be very fuel efficient and capable with all-wheel drive, right? Yeah, so we're, we're doing two segments this week. We're doing the, the normal review stuff that we do, but it's the, it's the time of year again where uh, the industry descends upon CES in, in the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas and a whole bunch of absolutely crazy stuff that absolutely nobody needs in their car gets unveiled by various automakers. So we're, we're going to do a whole segment on that later on in the show. Yeah. I, just wanted to, I just wanted to tease that at the beginning in case people hear what I'm about to talk about and instantly turn off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because the vehicle that I drive, I drove recently that we're talking about today is the 2024 Corolla Hybrid SE, Sammy. And that is an all-wheel drive version of the Corolla Hybrid. Okay. And uh, it is a $30,000 car in Canada. In the States, I believe it retails for about $27,695. So s- surprisingly close in price. Okay. And there are two versions of the Hybrid. So this is something that I think... We need to get out of the way. There's the LE version, which is the entry level. It's a bit cheaper. I think it's like, I can't remember exactly. The base Corolla Hybrid with no all-wheel drive is like 23000 And then, you know, a few thousand more if you want the SE. And then a few thousand more if you want all-wheel drive. And then you get to 27695 for the yep. SE all-wheel drive. Yeah, okay. The, the only real differences are, it's mostly appearance stuff, like, SE is sport edition, quote unquote. So the, there's like bolstered seats. The paint is flashier. There's, I think, some external trim changes. It has 18-inch wheels versus 16-inch wheels, which is important. And we'll get to that later. Yeah. And uh, overall, there's not really a compelling reason to spend more on the SE unless you want the extra equipment that comes with it. That I, I believe it has, you know, just a few more features. It's, it's essentially a, um, like a trim package that uh, skews towards the sporty side of, of the appearance thing. Uh, I, I, Sammy, have I forgotten how to speak English? 
Um, I don't think you've forgotten, but you've decided to speak in a different way than usual. Yeah, I'm trying something <laughs> new where I rearrange the word order in <laughs> such a manner that doesn't accurately express the concepts I'm trying to convey to the We've audience. only been doing this podcast for like six years. <laughs> Let's get back to the Corolla Hybrid. So I was intrigued to drive this vehicle because we've talked about the there, there's another all-wheel drive Corolla out there mm-hmm. and it's called and in fact every conversation that I've had with Sammy over the past week about what we're talking about on this week's show he has mistaken what I'm driving for this other vehicle which is the the Corolla Cross is that right Sammy that's right that's the Corolla Cross that's what I keep thinking you have the Corolla so Cross the Corolla Cross is I, I guess a lifted Corolla kind of hatchback thingy it's it's one of those Toyota's gotten really good at stuffing the showroom with vaguely crossover-like all-wheel drive vehicles like the Venza and the Corolla Cross. And that's sandwiched between like more popular stuff like the RAV4 yeah. and uh, the the Highlander. Like things that you look at and you recognize. And then you look at Venza and Corolla Cross and you're like, are those the same vehicle? <laughs> because <laughs> you can't really tell them apart. It's just so – the styling is so vague. Ben, you can also get an all-wheel drive version of the sedan. Um which is curious. That's what I drove, Sammy. But That's you what drove we're a talking hybrid. About. Yes. I'm talking about there's a non-hybrid version of all-wheel drive. Yes. Uh, isn't there? Yeah, I believe there is. Yeah, and it has the same engine. It's uh, a 1.8 liter four-cylinder, I believe, in both of them. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. And I don't know the horsepower difference. I can tell you that. Let me, te- let me take a look for you. So, okay, while you're doing that, I'll mention that. It's the- a two liter. Uh, is it a two liter? Let me check. Is it a two liter? One second. Uh-oh. I don't know what I I'm doing. <laughs> what happened? Did the internet turn off? No, maybe there isn't a maybe there isn't a um, all wheel drive version of this car. Well, it's not surprising that you'd be confused because if you I am the, confused. If you look at the Corolla lineup, yes. there's front wheel drive, all wheel drive, hybrid, non hybrid, hatchback, sedan, LESE, XLE, yes. and XSE. Okay, trims. so there is not. There definitely is not an, a hybrid. I mean, all wheel drive, non hybrid. If you're Sammy, getting all wheel drive, you're getting a hybrid. Sammy, I'm not done yet. Okay. <laughs> there's <Yeah>. also the <laughs> GR. <laughs> That's all-wheel so, drive, yes. And something called the SE Hybrid Infrared Edition. <laughs> I That's the one I would get because I don't know what that is. So all this to say, okay, so there's no – it makes sense that there's no all-wheel drive sedan that's not hybrid because the way Toyota does its hybrid system is they add an electric motor at the rear axle mm-hmm. that is intended to kick in when you're accelerating or when it detects wheel slip up front and you need more traction. Uh, this year – you're getting 134 horsepower, 156 pound-feet of torque um, from the Corolla, period. And I believe the hybrid doesn't change that. Like, I think it's the same amount of power yeah. as you would get from the gas version. So, like, they've said, <laughs> I don't know if this is real. Like, I can't, I don't have a dynamometer, di- dynamometer. I can't put that Corolla on it and actually check to see whether the gas model and the hybrid model are exactly the same right. when it comes to power. But I can tell you that that's better than the year before. I think the old Corolla hybrid had 121 horsepower and 105 pound-feet of torque. Oof. If I'm not mistaken, 105 pound feet of torque would that's, feel that, like nothing. That's for the hybrid. Like. Yeah. But again, you know, the thing about hybrids is the torque can often feel like more than it sounds like on paper because it comes on instantly from the electric motor. So I think the way the hybrid is set up is you get like 93 horsepower from the gas motor. 40 horsepower from the rear electric motor. And then there's another electric motor in the middle. And Toyota does not publish the numbers for that. 
Mm-hmm. So you can't really tell how much assist it's doing, but that's probably the one that's assisting the most off the line because I believe it's in line with the CVT transmission that comes with the whole package. Okay. So we're talking about a, a an economy car that's been bumped up a little bit or, or it's been hyped up a bit with them. Um, with some electric powertrain. Um, but like this should be a similar experience to the standard Corolla sedan altogether, right? Yeah. So I want to correct myself. Remember, I was saying that the hybrid has the same amount of power as the gas one. Mm-hmm. That's not correct. What I should have said is the all-wheel drive hybrid has the same amount of power as the front-wheel drive hybrid. Right. Okay. Which is in itself strange because it that has one extra motor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which apparently is not doing was... anything. Yeah. Um, the, the whole setup is intended primarily to be fuel efficient versus, versus interesting to drive. And listen, Ben, I know we prefer interesting to drive cars. The Corolla was never that bad to drive, or at least this latest TNGA version of it was okay. Right? Sure. Um, have you driven the apex edition yet? I think okay is like a very good way to describe how this sedan drives. I drove uh, the the old hatchback. I mean, I say old. I haven't driven a Corolla hatchback in a few years, but I remember enjoying it. You drove a uh, GR yeah. Corolla. Does that count? No, I'm talking just about the regular one that would be more comparable. <laughs> I know. I'm with, just kidding. With, with this car here. Uh, with the manual transmission, it was reasonably fun. With the hybrid, though, is not a fun proposition. It's really not what it's about. It gets It's supposed to get 44 miles per gallon combined. And um, that's for the SE that I drove. If you get the LE with the smaller wheels, you get four additional miles per gallon, according to the EPA. I that's would, a lot. Dang. Yeah, I would strongly... That's like almost 10%. Yeah. Better. I would strongly recommend sticking with the SE if fuel mileage is what you're concerned with. Because I was unable to match the advertised rating um, of the vehicle in just in my daily driving. I got 6.9 liters... Per hundred kilometers. What does that turn? What is in it in freedom units? In freedom units, and that translates into thirty-four miles per gallon, which if you're paying attention mm. and you're, you know, uh, dutifully writing down everything that I say on this podcast, hoping to catch me in an error of which I've already made several, you'll discover that's ten miles per gallon less than what the EPA advertises for the Corolla Hybrid. That's not very good. I don't like that. I used to be able to get about 50 or something in in but that might be maybe weather has something to play with or I maybe it's the all-wheel drive situation i think weather did play a role in it okay the, no it's not the all-wheel drive because that's what this vehicle is rated at for the all-wheel drive model I'm, i was uh, saying in my experience with the front-wheel drive model i was able to get some pretty good fuel efficiency in the past sure and and you or know maybe winter tires it's rated at 47 city but uh, i was driving in usually below freezing temperatures yeah but not extremely cold i would say within five to six degrees of freezing at any given time and some of that was also on the other side uh, of freezing. So it was a good mix. And much of my driving was on the highway. It's rated at 41 highway. So if you kind of pull back from the combined rating and look at the fact that, you know, where I live is mostly rural. I'm either on two lane or I'm on, you know, interstate style roads. If you look at the 41, it's not as bad compared to 34 once you factor in the temperature change. Mm. It's still reasonably efficient for an all wheel drive vehicle. And I dealt with some snowy conditions. Um, as we've talked about many times on the podcast, I live now on a dirt road, or at least a section of my road is dirt. And for whatever reason, 
The city, what it likes to do in a snowstorm is it will plow the paved section of the road and then stop where it turns to dirt and turn around and go back home. That's that's enough work for today. When I get up in the morning and I have to drive, there's often no plowing whatsoever on my road, which is one of the reasons why my partner has a Subaru because uh, it's just that much more peace of mind knowing she'll be able to get through whatever's waiting for us on the road. But I have this Corolla, right? And it has no, it's not a Corolla Cross as much as Sammy would like it to be. So it has no additional ground clearance. It's just like a low sedan. And I was very curious to see what would happen when I hit like the three to four inches of snow on the dirt, the packed dirt in front of my house. It was pretty undramatic. Uh, It handled it without any issues. The only thing I could say about the dynamics of the all-wheel drive system is that it drives very much like it's front-wheel drive. That's not a very good thing to say. I mean, to that, I mean, when I when I would hit deeper patches of snow or when I would hit ice, I would get understeer that would push me away from where I was trying to turn. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I don't know if there's like a lag in when the rear axle is supposed to kick in or if it's just so much bias towards the front wheels that I have to treat it like a front wheel drive vehicle. I'm not saying it's dangerous. It wasn't at all risky. It didn't make me feel like it was out of control, but the way that I drove through the snow reminded me of front-wheel drive more than it did all-wheel drive. Once again, that all of that does not sound like a like a endorsement of the car's driving dynamics in any way or form. As an all-wheel drive vehicle, it's supposed to give you more confidence in conditions like these, right? I suppose you're right. I think that... Or more push off the... Or a better thrust off the line. Like, that's I think the only that way. mostly it's focused on the latter. I think the idea is with this car, you will get stuck. You get in a hurry in a Corolla. I'm sorry? Who needs to go in a go off the line in a hurry in a Corolla? I don't think it's so much about getting off the line in a hurry so much as it is getting off the line, period, and not getting stuck in a snowbank, not getting caught on ice if you're stopped. Uh, that seems to be – that's what I would – you know, compared to a always-on all-wheel drive system or an all-wheel drive system that isn't just added to a front-wheel drive platform, that's kind of the vibe I got from this Corolla. So what does that mean in the, in the end? Like that – you know, actually, we haven't even talked about the interior or the infotainment system. Yeah, I don't know why you're skipping to the end. Very, I, okay, very look, critical. Of I get why you would want to stop talking about a Corolla. <laughs> look, I mean, look, I don't think the Corolla is that bad, but there's some. It's there's, not bad. There's many ways in which its competition has um, surpassed it in terms of interior um, quality and and driving dynamics. And in the past, I think. The Corolla's benefit has always been sort of reliability um, and and efficiency. And if we're taking away efficiency for the most efficient product or one of the most efficient products, you're stuck with very little marketable sort of um, elements of this vehicle. What, what is the point here? The point here is it's a cheap hybrid with all-wheel drive. And I don't think you're going to... Okay, cheapish, I, I yeah. should add. I don't think you're going to find that from many other automakers. I think the other marketing ploy here is that it's not a crossover. And once you've eliminated that, I mean, where else are you going to get an all-wheel drive compact sedan for for $30,000 or less, you know, that has a hybrid system in it? That That's kind of the appeal. Um in terms of driving dynamics, I'm okay with the fact that the Corolla is a very boring car to drive. It's comfortable if com- comfortable enough. I don't expect it to handle well. The one thing that did disappoint me about the drivetrain, aside from the fuel mileage that is probably linked to the cold weather, was the drone of the CVT. Oh, yeah. It is loud. This is a very loud vehicle to drive on the highway. 
every time I wanted to pass or every time I wanted to accelerate away from a stop, it made this very vacuum-like sound. All of the classic stuff from a continuously variable transmission that other automakers have been able to tune out of their products for the most part. But it, it, it seems to be still here with the hybrid version of the Corolla. I was disappointed by that. Uh, it's not... It's not great. It makes it conversation inside the car at highway speeds. You have to talk a little bit louder. And another odd thing that I found about this vehicle was I couldn't get the defrost system to keep the windshield clear, even when it was just normal temperatures outside. And by normal, I mean like hovering around zero. I had to constantly switch back and forth between the automatic setting and the full-blown high um, defrost for the front windshield, which is weird because... I shouldn't have to blast and then go back to normal and then blast and go back to normal. That's not something that typically happens. I don't know if one thing to say about press mm-hmm. vehicles is they're, they're often cleaned on the inside on a regular basis, like yeah. every week. And so sometimes you can get moisture that built up inside of them because they're constantly having cleaning products used. And sometimes that gets into not so much the seats, but the carpets, especially in wintertime where carpets are already wet. So that could have been part of it, but it, it's unusual enough that I noticed it. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then what about the infotainment system? Completely fine. No good. Nothing great to talk about. Nothing bad to talk about. Just Is there a, anything like wireless Android Auto here or? It, yeah, it, it does have those features. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. From um, what I remember, it was wireless. Okay, great. And uh, besides feeling a little bit like uh, it didn't behave as expected in the in the poor weather conditions, was it comfortable? I mean, it did behave as expected. It's... I, I didn't, nothing caught me by surprise with the vehicle. Uh, and as I mentioned, it is- Well, your expectations were low. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that's key to this kind of thing. Like, I'm not going to hold this Corolla to some crazy standard. Like, this is basic transportation. It's not cheap. I'm sorry, it's it's not expensive. And it does, for the most part, what it says it's going to do. The thing is, you to ex- to to get what- to take advantage of what it's going to do, you have to accept some rough around the edges qualities when I think it comes to um, refinement. Like, obviously, that's the self-fulfilling sentence, a rough around the edges when it comes to refine it, refinement. <laughs> but uh, it's a car that doesn't try to punch above its weight. And I think when you look at some other compact cars in its segment, like I said, there's not a lot of hybrids out there that offer all-wheel drive. But if you look at other all-wheel drive compact cars like from Subaru and whatnot, they are trying to be a little bit better than you would expect. Yeah. And, And I don't get that extra effort from the Corolla. It's very much a face value vehicle. It's I would take it over a Corolla Cross, which was a... I found even blander and and Soulless. harsher to yeah and harsher to drive. Not yeah. that the Corolla has soul, but it did feel more comfortable and it does look a lot better. So you know that's an important thing to bring up is that like entry level transportation across the board has I think has improved um, a lot. Even when you're not buying a a crossover or just a regular sedan, if you've gotten a, a Hyundai Elantra recently or um, a Subaru Impreza, they've picked up the pace in terms of quality and refinement um, and and drivability as well. And it's important to think about what entry-level products are these days. So you keep saying that the car is is relatively um, expensive. I agree with you there because I think around $27,000 or $30,000 still uh, might be out of budget by 
I don't know, let's say about $8,000 for some people who might be wanting to buy a Corolla. It's maybe their first brand new car or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the base model, like I said, starts the base model hybrid without the all-wheel drive starts at 23 Yeah, I think and, that's and, a bit better. And looking at that that price point, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Buick and Vista, mm-hmm. which comes paired with a, a similar platform version from Chevrolet called the Trax. Both of those vehicles are more pleasant to drive than the Toyota, but they okay. don't match it when it comes to fuel economy. No, nothing. And But as you mentioned, your expe- your experienced fuel economy was way off of the expected fuel economy. Yeah, but it's still it's still better okay. you know, then. And, and it's not winter forever, right? You're, it is going to be summer. And conceivably, the Corolla is going to get closer. As you've experienced with other Corolla models, you, it is going to be the only one, to, right? It does get closer to the advertisement. <laughs> um, what, like... Is this car, was this car necessary is my question. There's a front-wheel drive hybrid Corolla. There's now an all-wheel drive hybrid Corolla, which has the same output um, and different fuel efficiency numbers, obviously. And you're telling me that the experience on the road did not seem to indicate that, um, that same level of sort of confidence or or handling that other all-wheel drive vehicles might have given you in, in the snow. I mean, is it necessary? I like the idea of a alternative to crossovers and SUVs. Yeah, I, like I get the that. Ide- I like the idea that you don't have to get a hatchback in order to experience all-wheel drive. Um, I think in most cases, for many drivers, all-wheel drive is not something that they need. And so if you have a hybrid that has it in the back pocket, like this Corolla does, that will conceivably help you dig out of a snowbank when you need to, that could be useful. And I don't really have a problem with that. I don't think it's a bad idea. But it seems um, like something that was in theory rather than like actual practical use, right? Like, no, I think I I just think I didn't end up with the use case where it helped me out. I think there are use cases for it. But mm-hmm. as I mentioned, I don't think most people need all-wheel drive. Uh, I live in yeah. an area where they don't clear the roads. I am coming from a city where there were probably three or four days every winter where the roads weren't clear. That's it. Like most people live in major metropolitan areas, at least in Canada, and snow removal does a good job. And then you start to look at the southern part of the U.S. where you're not going to need this car at all. Like you don't need – this is a vehicle that is aimed specifically at people who have a a cold weather climate and marketing has convinced them that all-wheel drive is the only way to survive. And we both know that's not true. No, of, of course not. Good tires help way more than all-wheel drive. Of course. So, I mean, at wrapping it up with the Corolla, I think it's fine. It doesn't really move the needle for me either way. There's nothing cynical or weird or bad about it. Uh, it I would like it to get better fuel mileage in the cold, but I would like all of my vehicles to get better fuel <laughs> mileage in the cold. And there's not much I can do about physics. It is a little pricier than some nicer competitors that are out there. And you have to decide whether the hybrid aspect and the name recognition of reliability that comes with Toyota is something you want to pay more for. Okay, let's move on though to um, what you st- what you brought up before we were talking about the Corolla, which is um, CES. CES is this crazy event that occurs. It's known as the Consumer Electronics Show. It occurs in Vegas. Uh, it's huge. It used to be um, centered around, as I mentioned, consumer electronics, uh, things like, I guess, cameras and drones and and headphones and TVs. And monitors and all sorts of cool stuff like that. But lately, it's turned into a car show. Well, I think they'd like us to think it's a car show. I feel like the car show thing started happening, what, five years ago, six yeah. years ago? And and there was a huge marketing push 
where CES and the automakers were like, no, this is a car show now and we're not interested in other car shows and we don't go to LA Auto Show or New York Auto Show or um, anywhere else anymore. We're only <laughs> interested in CES. And That's it kind of right. became like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But um, I think, you know, it's important to talk about you and I have been doing this for a while. We've gone to CES. We've covered CES before on the automotive side of things uh, and maybe on on other elements as well. But I cannot help but feel that I'm going through sort of a time warp. I'm looking at things that occurred back then and I'm looking at cars and concepts now and they look identical. They look like the same thing that we've been talking about forever um, that I don't think is is actual real reality anymore. It just shows that some of these show these auto shows or um, what I was going to say shows that these shows are just marketing, you know, vehicles. That's it. Let's be let's be honest. Ninety nine percent of what you see at CES in the automotive sphere will never come to market. It makes no sense. And because of that, it allows them, like Sammy said, to recycle it every year and present it as if it's new again. And. In celebration of that fact, we've put together kind of our greatest hits of the most ridiculous things that we saw at CES this year or coming out of CES this year in the automotive segment. Sammy, how do you want to start this? Are we going to start with Lamborghini measuring your heart rate while you drive? <laughs> yeah, please. Let's start about a Lamborghini um, biometrics uh, scanner, biometric data. Uh, it's called Telemetry X, which is a real-time okay. performance First of all, everyone yeah. knows that adding X to a word instantly makes that word cooler. It is. That's true. I agree so with that. So they're starting out very strong. Uh, it's a real-time performance and biometric data tracking system, um, which consists of several features, including a remote garage. I don't know what that means. Um, a biometric data and digital co-pilot. Okay. So well, I can tell you what remote garage is, Sammy. All right. Here we go. It's a coaching feature, apparently. So Oh, like you... a remote pit, like a pit crew. Kind of. So like... I guess this watch or whatever will send uh, data and images, which is odd, and, and, and video, anything you want, I guess, to your coach who can be anywhere that has an internet connection. And we just and trust then, this guy who's who's watching you go 200 miles per hour on a on a track, and he'll take, give you advice before you hit that corner. And how is it's 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 done through a the biometric system is a watch that you wear. I'm assuming that the photos and video are telemetry from the car itself, similar to the system that Corvette has had for like a really long time yeah. now. Uh, and she, yeah, Corvette, sorry. Chevrolet, so I'm not uh, sure and if, Cadillac if, has had this too. So I don't know if your remote coach also gets your blood pressure, heart rate, and stress level, <laughs> which seems like super invasive, but that's what it's collecting. My idea to, the, the idea to me is that the biometric data will allow people to definitively show that they're having fun in their Lamborghini, which is what they definitely need. If, if I need data to tell me that I'm having fun and that my heart rate is elevated um, in the car, then, then okay, there you go. You can't so, deny me this, right? There is a uh, nothing cooler than talking to someone at a party who takes out their smartphone and starts showing you their heart rate. <laughs> based on their lap times and yeah. explaining to you that they own a Lamborghini. That is, I think, the ideal guest at any gathering. Yeah. But I do want to say, uh, back in the 90s, there was a very cool video that was put out by a Formula One team whose name ex escapes me right now. I believe it was Formula One, where they did a lap in a car and um, they had an audio track that was, depending on which one you chose, you could listen to just the tires just the heart rate of the driver or just his breathing. 
Okay. And at the time, nothing like that existed. Like this was a pretty new concept that you would That's do this. That's pretty cool for the 90s. Yeah. And it was fascinating to hear a professional driver's bre- breathing rate increase and decrease based on where they were on the track. And the, the I think it was partially done because while you're in the moment driving on a racetrack, you're not conscious of these things, obviously. You're focused on the task at hand. So the driver themselves, the, the body reacts uh, autonomically to certain stressful situations. And there were corners and areas of the track where the body was more stressed than the driver thought that they were. And mm-hmm. it was a way to work through that and to discover um, ways to improve their lap time. Now, I'm saying this is because this is a professional driver who is being paid to be the fastest and best in the world, not someone who has cornered you at your uh, your uh, niece's bat mitzvah and is showing you some type of footage of them gingerly driving around Road America. Um Literally, this might be the tamest thing at the show. <laughs> well, I, I think it's tamer than the next thing we're going to talk and about. It's actually, no, hold on. It's actually like, listen, biometrics or like these things that we those watches or rings or whatever they are, like people have found uses for them and they can be there. They can be actionable, right? Sure. The other things that you're about to hear, I don't know what the value of these things are. <laughs> like, um. Are, I want yeah. I, I wanted to segue into the the bumper. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> that plays video games. Yep. <laughs> is that what it does, Sammy? It is a bumper. This is, first of all, Sony, your favorite uh, Walkman company, Sony, has decided that they want to also get in the car game, and they've got a vehicle called the Afila EV. Yeah, let's I not talk it's about that. Afila. Let's not talk about that. But it has a bumper. It has a screen, a bumper with a screen on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember seeing a back in the 2010s or 20 teens. There was like a popular meme where there would be someone at a gas station and they they would have like a screen on the inside of their gas cap so they could watch video while they filled up gas. Yeah, and it was making fun of how like every part of the car has to have a screen. And now flash forward to 2024, we have vehicles like the Grand Wagoneer that has like what 17 screens inside of it. Yeah, and and now Sony wants to add a, a, an 18th screen and this was on the outside bumper of the car why what did we what was the point of this again one feature called monster view overviews virtual kaiju monsters on parts of the roads you can see on your dashboard screen and encourages the driver to quote catch the monsters that have escaped okay i don't know what that means and i don't know how that helps the why the why there's a screen on the outside for that to occur so I don't think you should make a game of driving your car into invisible monsters on the road. Mm -hmm. I think driving is perhaps dangerous enough and doesn't require gamification where you're just swerving all over the place trying to pick up Pokemon with your bumper. But the fact that you can have a screen on the outside of the car that is, I guess, in theory, showing your progress in this game to other people people. seems like a terrible idea. I guess you could also play movies for the people in traffic around you is that what you could do one of the images on the press release says happy birthday carol uh <laughs> another also, one says warning so it, i mean i love that the car is lo- warning people that it's about to run them over if um, i saw a car that said warning, warning the driver actually that it's about to do something dangerous how would you react if you saw a car that said warning on it i don't know what i like i said i think the driver should be getting the warning not me i they they're the ones who have the power to do something in this situation 
I think my favorite thing that the car displays in at CES anyway is the tiniest Spider-Man video game logo. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking. You can't see this picture because this is not a visual medium. But imagine like a pack of playing cards on the bumper of your car that says Spider-Man. <laughs> Yeah. And costs $10,000 if you get in an accident. <laughs> Listen, while we're on the concept of – I mean, while we're on the on the topic of this Afila vehicle, it is a joint venture with Honda. One of the things about this vehicle is that you'll be able to try the vehicle in Gran Turismo 7 because we all know that um, driving a, ga- a car in a video game is like driving in real life. And if you're about to laugh at me about that being a joke, it apparently isn't because you'll be able to drive this vehicle with a Sony PlayStation controller. <sighs> remember remember in the first fast and furious movie where they're lining up for that the first like street race and there's the one kid who has like i think he has an integra and he had a playstation in the car which was you know the the bomb in 2001 and he was driving he had he had his playstation controller and in the in the game he's playing while waiting to start the race he's like crashing into walls and stuff yeah that's exactly what will happen if you try to drive your car with a playstation controller except in real life I don't know what they're. I don't know what the point of this was, but once again, we're we're happy about this. I guess. Does it have a, a rumble pack with it? So when I'm going does. over, yeah. when I'm running over kaiju, aka pedestrians, it will <laughs> it will rumble and let me know that I've achieved a high score. Yeah, of course. Excellent. Um, good on Sony for trying to do something new. No, no, <laughs> we're not giving Sony points for. It's not something new. It's like a PlayStation controller. It's like. No, I mean, just them deciding, you know what the most difficult thing to do is out of the automotive industry? Let's give that a go. (laughs) Sammy, why don't if if my PlayStation controller doesn't also give me my heart rate and stress level, I'm simply not interested in trying to drive with it. That's true. So maybe Sony would be working on that. I don't know if this car is real. I don't know if this is really going to become a thing um, or it's just a project of a bunch of buzzwords and concepts for them to I be relevant. I guarantee still. you it's not real. I mean, are we really? Is that a question? I mean, that's the thing. Everything about CES are these products or projects that don't seem real, will probably not be real, will be implemented in a vehicle in the vaguest, smallest way possible. Um, and speaking I don't get of, it. Speaking of implemented in the vaguest, smallest way possible, Volkswagen has apparently no ideas for CES this year. So they're just telling you chat GPT <laughs> and, and, and hoping that that's enough. And it turns out it's not enough because they're, they're going to put a chat bot inside like the Tiguan, the passport and the golf um, and all the ID electric cars in Europe first, because they already have a good reputation there. They don't have to worry about <laughs> chasing away customers, but uh, they're being super vague about what it's going to do. They say it will give more naturalistic communication between car and driver, which is something I've never thought about in a million years. Um, I don't need my car to answer, quote unquote, general knowledge questions, which seems like a, not a real feature. You know what I would like from Volkswagen, Sammy? Uh, I know exactly what you'd like from Volkswagen. Are you going to tell the people or am I? No, you should tell people what I would like. How about backlit um, controls in the vehicle? (laughs) Yeah, so at night I would like to be able to see the the heating controls in the Volkswagen Golf. Could we try that instead of ChatGPT? No, what we're going to do instead is when we can't figure out how to do – we're going to – where you're gonna say, "Hey, ChatGPT, why am I so cold? Are, where are the controls for the for the HVAC system?" Okay, the the chat spot name is apparently Ida, and you have to say "Hello, Ida," or push a button on the steering wheel. Oh, great, another button on the steering. Oh, wheel. Oh, thank goodness, we don't have enough of those. Do you think that button is backlit? 
<laughs> yeah, it probably is super bright. Volkswagen says questions and answers are, quote, deleted immediately to ensure the highest possible level of data protection. <laughs> what happens? It forgets what you, it forgets the conversation immediately? <laughs> yeah, you're like, hello, Ida. And it's like, who is Ida? <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it is the worst. They need to. This is not necessary. This was not necessary. I do like no. enriching conversations, clearing up questions, interacting in intuitive language, receiving vehicle specific information, and much more. Listen, I have uh, like, I guess people are really lonely in their cars. I thought podcasts existed for uh, for you know what people do alone in their car. Sammy, so, mean, people are really lonely all the time. You're not aware of that? <laughs> yeah, maybe it is a lonely world. And we need our Volkswagen to talk to us. Um, Volkswagen, to their credit, is actually this is this is happening. They didn't just come to CES <laughs> and say ChatGPT question mark. They said ChatGPT next year. It's like it's in these cars. I don't know if we'll get in North America, but if you're in Europe, I apologize in advance because you're going to have to deal with this. No, I'm going to break. I'm going to say that's important because in the past I've gone to CES and I think I was at a Toyota event and they said that they've got basically um their own siri or ai car that can talk to you or wink at you or something like that um and create an emotional yeah it did something with the headlights i would not interpret that as a wink i don't um, think i anthropomorphize cars as much no, as when you car companies this, think i do <laughs> when you see this one um you're going to say it's winking at me i but mean this is from a, a long time ago and it didn't happen surprise surprise yeah Anyway, so speaking of other things that aren't going to happen, um, okay, sure. Mercedes is is also trying to add uh, machine learning to its Mbucks voice assistant. That yep. that may or may not be real, but what is even stranger is the fact that they've partnered with Will I Am, who is at this point the mascot of CES. I think he's contractually obligated to be there every year mm -hmm. with some type of feature that will never make it to the market. This time he has created something called Sound Drive, and it's a feature that pairs with the Mercedes vehicles that will give a specific soundtrack to things like accelerating, steering, braking, and recuperating um uh, electricity while you're braking. So gotcha. all the things, all the things I just named already have a soundtrack for the most part, except for steering, I guess. I mean, braking has squealing acceleration has whatever Hans Zimmer music they've put into the car now. Uh, but this is the, the idea is somehow to link all of this stuff so that it's interactive, so that when you drive faster, the 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 beat of the music will get faster. Soothing um, music would start playing when the windshield wipers are turned on. How about and, and that? When you turn the wheel, I don't know if the music warps like some kind of it goes up a key or down a key. All I'm saying, all of this to say, this is completely ridiculous. This sounds like a child's toy. Like, you know, the Why random noises a, a baby's toy makes to to engage them like, well, or to stimulate we, them? That's what we've got now in these cars. It's funny that you use the term baby's toy because I feel like these car companies are trying to infantilize their drivers by completely removing them from the act of driving to the point where they have to invent artificial soundtracks to highlight whatever it is they're doing in the car. Like soothing music for the windshield wipers is a perfect example. Am I terrified of the rain? What like what's going on? Is are, there, your are wipers they gonna... that loud Mercedes? Come on. We can get, we can get some, we can get uh, quieter wipers. Are right? they going to pop a sus in my mouth too? When the <laughs> wipers come on so I don't cry out accidentally and embarrass myself in traffic. Absolutely just, unnecessary. Abs everything about this is 
Listen, I mean, I was curious if they were going to go the Hans Zimmer route, but then they, like, ruined it by making it worse. You know what I mean? Like, that that BMW one, the Hans Zimmer thing, is supposed to be a sound signature, something that would be repeatable in all the BMW EVs that you heard. It's crazy. Of course, it's it's ridiculous nonsense. It doesn't make um, a massive difference. Um, the tenth time you drive in a BMW EV, yeah, is a feature you use when you're driving home from the dealership, and then you turn it off forever. Yeah, this is something to me that will make the no the the, the drive bizarre. Like I think it'll be weird. Like, there is there is a dark side to this too because uh, they're planning to make sound drive like if you don't like what Will I Am has composed for your turn signals um and chances are you won't and we won't hold that against you. What about if I'm adjusting this? I don't even want. To finish my thought, they are creating it as an open music platform, which means any musician, which is what they say, will be able to upload a, a soundscape for their own driving needs. Now, all it takes is for a, a few creative hackers to turn your car into a house of horrors. Like, every time you hit the brakes, it creates the sound of nails going across a chalkboard, <laughs> or every time you accelerate, it's just a voice screaming. I mean... Uh, we're inches away from a tiny needle that injects adrenaline directly into your pineal gland when you're trying to get some kind of thrill to remember what it feels like to be alive yeah. from behind the wheel of your of your electric car. It's it's really a bit much. Um, although I am thinking, you know, I've been playing some uh, some of these games. There's like a, a a modern take on Tetris called the Tetris Effect connected. And every I time wasn't you aware do, Tetris wasn't modern. <laughs> uh, every time you like move the pieces around or like slide them or like left or right or, or do one of those instant drops, it adds another soundtrack to the, to the game. And then at times if like, I'm like, if anybody was watching this, they just think there's just random noises being, being like emitted from my, from my console. And I'm like, this is, saying, this is not necessary. You're saying you want M-Bucks to add another layer of noise with each passing mile on the odometer? Yeah. And so by the time you arrive Every at your destination... You anything, there's you're just fully be a noise. Ins- you're fully insane. Like when, when you get <laughs> like to that point. Every time you do anything, if you're just... If you're changing the, the, the preset... When you press that button, it's going to go, wahoo! Or something like that. Or who knows what. Some string... Or, or a, a, you know, a little bass hit will go. Like, it just doesn't make sense, right? What's what's weird is they, they're they saying that in order to interface with or create the music for your own soundscape, you're doing it through the MBUX audio system, the MBUX operating system. So we have to do, awesome. we have to record music in the car? That is unclear. But what I'm wondering is 20 years from now, you know how people make chip tunes with um, old Game Boys? Yeah. This whole genre of electronic music where people make music that is based on the sounds you can get out of the chip set from a, a, a Game Boy, a classic Game Boy. In 20 years from now, are we going to have like classic M-Bucks as a genre where people are just using M-Bucks to make music and it becomes a whole subculture? And you, you go to you go to a party and like sitting at the front of the room is like an EQE and the, and the DJ is playing an EQE. Yeah, or are we I all just going to be in some kind of nutrient soup at that point? <laughs> I think we might be, but... Okay. Um, okay, what about... Hold on. There's some other things to talk about here. There is... Um, got to pick a couple. Let's, let's, let's go with the final two. Okay, hold on. I know what my last one is. <laughs> is it uh, the fact that we've got another choice of internet browser in your car now? No, that wasn't mine, but go on. Okay. So our buddies at uh, at Google have decided that 
Um, vehicles that feature the Google Android Automotive OS, which includes Volvo and Polestar, will be will be able to use the Chrome browser in their vehicle. Okay. Now, um, let me tell you, there's already an internet browser in these vehicles. It's called the Vivaldi, Vivaldi browser. I don't know what the big difference is, why we need to have a Google one, too. I honestly had no need for a browser in any car. That's, I agree. That would be, I have a browser in my pocket at all times. Like but, I said, I always think that these things are like, they're good ideas taken the wrong way. I think semi- they, they thought that people would have idle time when they're charging their vehicle in a public station, and then they'd want to use a Chrome tab or their internet or something like that. And, and then they forgot that, that we that, all have phones yeah, and, and that or those tablets. Don't need gasoline. <laughs> and are in, are in co- giant batteries that to charge them. I don't have to pay five hundred dollars a month to use my phone. Yeah, nonsense. Um, my my final thing is VinFast showed up at CES because of course they did. VinFast, and the company that is struggling to make a like splash in North America, a is, vehicle is, that is struggling to deliver cars to customers that actually meet expectations. It's uh, apparently company, arresting Vietnamese journalists or yeah, arresting journalists who are who critical are- of it, which is always a good look for a company. They brought a pickup truck to CES called Wild. Um, That's a it good has, name. It has suicide doors with no B pillar, which is. <laughs> Totally going to make it past any type of crash testing. They also brought a tiny little van called the VF3, which is kind of like a a key car, kind of not. Okay. I don't know if these are going to come to market because I don't know how much longer VinFast as a company will exist. I agree. Um, They brought some cool ideas that will not happen. You know what I mean? This is the only company that I think is trying because they're worried that they might not exist. (laughs) (laughs) I think think VinFast CES display is like directly linked to their stock price. That's right. (laughs) I think that's very true. Um, And as much as I don't believe in the company, I actually love the name of a car called The Wild. I think that's a great name for a car. You think they're going to get sued by the Minnesota hockey team? Yeah, maybe. Uh, It depends how bad this vehicle is. This tiny VF3 is adorable. It looks like a tiny... You said it looks like a K car. I think it looks like an FJ that's been shrunk down. An FJ Cruiser that's been shrunk down. And I love it. I want to give it a cuddle. It has incredibly narrow looking tires, which is... (laughs) Honestly, refreshing. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what this thing is, but if they make it, it'll be so much fun. But if they do make it, it'll probably be awful. So there's we were in a, we're stuck in a catch twenty two now. And honestly, if anyone from Vinfast is listening to us, we're just joking. Please don't send your secret police after us. I've got Please. a family now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Take seven you, <laughs> If you uh, are willing to get get between us and Vinfast. Or if you have a question for us that you would like us to ask the VinFast Secret Police when we are inevitably tracked down, um, you can reach out to us in numerous ways. You can find me on Instagram. I am at HuntingBenjamin. You can find Sammy on Twitter. He's occasionally still there, I guess, at Sammy underscore hot like you're laughing. Or you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There is a contact form there. You fill out your question. Tell us all about your weirdest things you saw at CES because CES is way too big for us to have seen everything. And uh, click submit and it goes right to our inbox. The old school way is also available. You can email me at benjamin at benjaminhunting.com.
Um, while you're over at the Unnamed Automotive Podcast website, you can see all of our previous episodes, and you can subscribe to us using a variety of buttons on the on the top of that uh, of that page. Additionally, um, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but we are on YouTube now. You just search for Unnamed Automotive Podcast, and you should find a channel there. You can subscribe to us or listen to the podcast in your browser when you're at work, I guess. I don't know. But there's, do there's do? Or, or when you're sitting in your Chrome-equipped uh, Google. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chrome equipped um, Polestar, of course. At Sammy, what are we going to be talking about next week? I don't know. I don't have. I don't have a, a good idea of what I'm talking about. But you've got you've got everything planned out. I, I always appreciate listening to what, to your life because it always seems more planned, better planned out than mine. Oh yeah, definitely. So I'm going to be talking about the Range Rover Sport, the 2024 Land Rover Range Rover Sport, and also what it was like to have that vehicle while living in the country through a huge windstorm that actually bent the bars of my temporary garage and knocked out my power for 18 hours. Oh my God, I need to hear this. Yes, Sammy, that's a feature altogether. You'll be happy you could not smell that episode because oh 18 God. hours of no showering is not something I would subject to anyone. Yeah, I've gone through, I've gone through worse. <laughs> Okay. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.